in Crosswave this year, we've been, um, we, we, uh, we never could really determine what the theme was going to be. So we um, sort of continued last year's theme, but then it sort of migrated into, well, why Jesus? Why is Jesus the Savior? What makes him so great? Um, why should we obey him? And what kind of authority does he have in our life? And so we've been looking at those sorts of things um, for since August. And um, I think I've shared on the greatness of Christ one time already with the people here in, in, in Gateway. But for the last couple of months, we've been talking about the will of God and how can we know his will. And so the, me the message today is about the will of God. And Hopefully, <clears throat> it will be a refresher for everybody. Uh, maybe there's a new thought that comes in mind. Maybe it's, it's a repeat of a, a, something you've already been studying recently. But I, I pray that uh, we would give careful consideration to God's will. I mean, everybody's wondered what God's will is for your life. And is it possible that you already know? <laughs> Or maybe you think you know his will, but you're hoping for something better or for something new and more exciting to come along than what you think it is. Maybe it's just plainly obvious to you what God's will is. But could it be that every command and every word of instruction or guidance and every principle expressed in scripture that we must and should obey is actually God's will for us? You know, there are no commands given to us by God in scripture that go against his will. And every promise he gives are made to those who actually obey his will. And don't forget, every warning he gives are those who disobey his will. So today is going to be a review of God's will as scripture defines it for us. We can find lots of definitions of God's will in scripture. And I hope to join with you in a sincere desire to understand what God has revealed to us. The challenge we have is to embrace it. <laughs> to embrace his will, and not only to embrace it and to know it, but to rejoice in doing it. Can we rejoice in doing God's will? May each of us walk in the knowledge and wisdom of God with ever-increasing fervor and strength and joy. And so I appreciate the song about strength for today. May the pure truth of, of the words of scripture wash over and refresh us all today. The Apostle Paul, when he begins his letter to the Colossians, he starts with a prayer that focuses on God's will and the spiritual fruit to be harvested. He prays for their lives to be filled with knowing God's will. And since he prayed this for his, this congregation under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure Jesus is praying these very same things for us right now. So let's join with them in this prayer that we too can know and embrace God's will and to fully realize it through our doing it. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians 1. And we're going to start at verse 9, I think it is. Colossians 1, verse 9. And Paul had been talking about their faith. And now he says, and so from the day we heard of your faith, imagine in parentheses, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work 
and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The fact that Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, has a particular will is a staggering thought. It's not like the force in Star Wars. Mystical, impersonal forces are thought to have some power, but to possess a will implies a rational, personal being. And not only does God have a will or determination of himself, but he also has a will for each entity he created. Think of this. The God who knows all things, who has all power to do as he pleases, and wants all creatures to know him in the fullness of his glory, he has a will for each of us. We could expect a world of perfection if God was ordering our steps according to his will. And that is indeed what he's promised and the end result to which he is committed. Remarkably, flowing out from this will are specific designs and intentions and purposes and pleasures. And from these, we could expect a kingdom of rich harmony and spectacular beauty. And that is indeed what he has promised and the end result to which he is committed. But the world remains today a dangerous and dark place with people suffering in various stages of sin. All of us have failed to fulfill and confirm God's will as pleasing and perfect. Who is this God that he should have a will not only for himself, but for me and for all of creation? Has God really designed a pathway for me to choose to live my life? And that's the what we all have to grip and face is that God has a pathway for each of us to walk, that he's chosen. So think about your choices that you make compared to God's choices and God's will. We all make choices, whether to call in on Zoom today. Every one of you made the same choice you called in. What you would wear today, every one of you made a different choice, your own choice. What you will eat, what you will wear, these are some of the easier choices we make. Although depending on your wealth or access to goods and services, even these choices can become overwhelming. I mean, if you only have two sets of clothes, it's pretty easy to pick out what you're to wear. I remember one time searching through the 20 page menu at the Cheesecake Factory restaurant and being overwhelmed with the choices available to me. Sometimes decisions are fairly straightforward, like assembling a two dimensional jigsaw puzzle. It's flat. You just lay it out. You match the colors and the shapes, put together the pieces, and you're all done. But of course, other things have to have happened earlier. Someone designed the puzzle, made the pieces, and gathered them all together in a box. And don't you hate it when one piece is missing? So I wish I could say that life is like picking out a little puzzle box with a picture that you, that you like on top, ordering it online and have it arrive at your door with all the pieces already in the box. But that is not how God has ordained our lives to look. Life seems to lead us to go on wild scavenger hunts, to find pieces of information and to set goals and to seek destinations. And once we find most of the pieces, 
it does get a bit easier to put the puzzle together. But the puzzle of life is not a flat two-dimensional puzzle. No, our lives are three-dimensional puzzles, at least, with many more variables barging in, wanting to play along, including the thoughts and opinions and desires of other people and the limited resources that we face. So the choices get harder. Like, how do I prepare to answer questions on a job interview? What should I say? Or what should I do about my, insert a person's name here, my spouse, my child, my parent, my neighbor, my coworker, my friend. Should the Crosswave team go on Peru mission this year? Then the choices we have to select from, the more choices we have to select from, the more difficult those decisions become. And we don't even know what the finished puzzle even looks like, do we? Could it be that the puzzle is never really completed? In real life, you have to also ask this fourth dimension of time to our 3D jigsaw puzzle. Now that simple decision we once needed to make has been transformed into this ever growing monster that requires different answers depending on, well, depending on the situation at hand at the moment the decision is needed. Frequently what we decided yesterday doesn't seem right to us today. So we beat ourselves up over the decision or since we may be sure that some critical factor might change tomorrow, we worry and fret over decision we must make today. It turns out that most people are either preparing to make a decision or in the midst of making a decision or have recently made a decision. <laughs> and it turns out that this is what life is really made from, a steady stream of compounding choices. We wonder and worry about each choice, about making a bad choice, a wrong choice, a stupid choice, and yes, sometimes even an offensive choice. It could be offensive to our family, offensive to the public, offensive to our church, and I dread the thought, but it could be offensive to God. Yes, when you add the thought that your every decision can be either pleasing or offensive to God, well, now you have ratcheted up the, to the max the levels of stress and anxiety you face over choices. But this is not how God would have us live our lives even though he knows we must make choices. So let's all take a deep breath. <sighs> Think about it. God has never made the wrong decision. He has never made a bad decision. And he never will. But we certainly have. Elizabeth Elliot, when considering the reality that the sovereign God could give us opportunity and the ability to make decisions, said that next to the incarnation, quote, I know of no more staggering and humbly truth. And not just that we are given opportunity, but assigned the decision-making responsibilities. Why would a sovereign God ordained by his will, my participation in the fulfillment of his purposes? Think about it. Sovereign God, all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing, calls people to make decisions that can either align with his will or disagree with his will. Can you see the privilege it is that we get to make decisions? And our decision-making, which first began back in the Garden of Eden, 
God has consistently called us to choose life. He says, you have a choice to obey me and have life or disobey me and have death. He woos us and calls us and urges us with a real choice to choose life. So what is this all about God's will and our choices? Well, to inform and guide our decisions, God gave us the scriptures and the Holy Spirit, which together provide all the primary instruction we need to live a life of godliness. So when the scriptures say, this is God's will, we need to receive and believe and live that truth with all of our heart. We need to sit down and listen and pay attention. I have eight scripture passages that I'd like to share where God has made his will extremely clear. But let's first begin with Jesus. In John 6, 38 through 40, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise him up on the last day. For this is the will of my father. This is God's will, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, we could spend a lot of time thinking about these words, But here Jesus explains that the will of the Father was to send the Son from heaven to earth to save us, not to potentially save us, but to actually rescue us, to bring us from death to life. Jesus states that his own will is to embrace and submit to the will of the Father. You know, he says this again in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, not my will, but thine be done. So Jesus wills to to lose no one the Father gives him, but to raise them all up on the last day. For as everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Since Jesus saves everyone that the Father gave him, none are lost that the Father intended to save. Since the Father's will is fully achieved, Jesus completely fulfills the will of his Father. He came from heaven not to do his own will, but his father's will. And then the second example, Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Obvious, right? And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, the word will is not used in this passage. But let's think about it. This testing by the devil immediately follows the baptism of Jesus, where the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So what is the first waves of Satan's attack? Is to try to negate God's word. 
by seeking some external sign. He says, if you are the son of God, which the voice just told us, then give me this sign. Can you visualize if Jesus would have entertained the thought of turning stones to bread? You can't imagine how hungry he was. He had the power to do it. What stopped him from doing it? If he had done it, he would have missed God's will. But Jesus doesn't contemplate sinning. He replies with the same truth we all need. He expresses his will for how all people should live their lives and for how all people should answer the devil. We shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Although the word will is not used here, it is certainly God's will for his word to give us life. And we can see that written clearly in the scriptures. The third example in Matthew 6, uh, this is part of 8 through 10. And this is when Jesus is teaching the multitudes to pray. He says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look at this. Jesus teaches everyone to pray by declaring that God's will is to be done on earth, just as his will is done in heaven. You know, I've thought about that's why there's no crying in heaven, because God's will is always done there. That's why there's no disease or sickness, because God's will is done there. Jesus desires for his will to be done on earth and teaches us to pray accordingly. Jesus had it recorded for all who had ears to hear so that all with ears to hear could understand and obey. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking to us. Please also see that just before Jesus taught the multitudes how to pray, he tells them that their heavenly father already knows what they need before they ask. Can you imagine going to the store, you walking in and there's a storekeeper and he already knows what you need before you even ask him. Well, what would you tell him? You would confess your need for what he has. He already knows it, but we confess our need for it. And he also, Jesus also expresses his will that we are to pray for more than simply what, what our needs are, what, that our needs be met. We are to pray that God be honored and that God be worshiped and that all people do God's will. We don't just bring our list of needs to Jesus. We honor and respect and glorify him in our prayers. And then just following in Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus doesn't use the word will here either. But he does reveal God's will with a command that we seek the kingdom of God and to seek his righteousness. And then gives a promise. In other words, it's a, if you do part A, I will give you part B. 
Part A is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And part B is all these things will be added unto you. Well, what are all these things? Well, you go back and looked at earlier verses, 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Jesus is telling us is that if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will provide everything else. His will is that we seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. That's the will of God, that we seek him first. A few verses later in Matthew 7, 21 and 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is such a strong word. It's a frightening word. What is the will of God? indicated here to do the will of the father who is in heaven. Well, it, it must be the same will as described throughout all the Bible to walk obediently in truth and humility and mercy and justice. And along with it comes this fierce warning. God warns that God's will must be done, not just talked about. Fruit must be grown, not just signs displayed. God's will must be be sincerely believed and trusted and flow obedience flow from a born again person who abides in Christ. Maybe you've only considered the flashbang of serving God and never the substance of it, but this is not to be God is to be known and loved. So to whom is Jesus speaking here? These workers of lawlessness all people who falsely call out to God in pride or hypocrisy, who say one thing but do not love or cling to or follow God. Then we turn to Ephesians verses five, I mean, chapter 5, 15 through 20. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think Randy recently read this verse with, from his prayer this morning. You know, Paul helps us understand several specific aspects of God's will, very specific aspects of his will with three don'ts. Do not walk as unwise. Do not be foolish. Do not get drunk. And with seven do's, I think it is. With wisdom, look carefully how you walk. Make the best use of your time. Seek to understand God's will. Be filled with the spirit. Speak God's words. 
Sing and make melody with your heart and give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's quite a descriptive add-on to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's very specific as to how and why and to whom we give thanks. What he's saying is let your heart sing with melodies of praise and thanksgiving to God. This is, this is the will of the Lord. Well, what's God's will? We'll read Ephesians 5. This is God's will. And then 1 Thessalonians 4. This even gets more specific and starts getting into other rooms of our life, other aspects of who we are. For this is the this is 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. For this is the will of God. And we should sit up and pay attention. For this is the will of God your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. God speaks, Paul speaks to God's will for us to be made holy, that is to be sanctified. With four very specific negative warnings, negative commandments, three positive principles and one powerful warning. The negative, abstain from sexual immorality. In all of its forms, abstain from sexual immorality. Do not be controlled by the passion of lust. Do not let lust be the driving passion of your life. Do not wrong others through your immoral behavior. And avoid impurity. The positive principles, be sanctified. Control your body in holiness and honor. And realize that you are called to purity. And the warning, the Lord will avenge these things. The all-powerful creator God will avenge these things. God's will for you is that you would be made holy, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, in a manner pleasing to him, in holiness. This is God's revealed will for you. And many people have let me know that they think this is an underwhelming answer. This, this answer is just not good enough. They want to have Hollywood answered for what God wants in their life. They want to know the who's and the what's and the when's rather than the how's and the why's. But I'm telling you, God's answer is better than the Hollywood answer because God wants you to be made and crafted into his image. God wants to make you ready for heaven. And he knows what it takes to bring this about. Therefore, this is his will for you. It's better than the Hollywood answer. Believe it or not, God cares more about how you live your life than you do. But more than that, he wants you to trust him to live your life in the manner he has revealed 
and to leave all the crystal ball aspects of your future to his good and perfect hidden will to bring about in his good and perfect time. You see, everybody wants to know what job they're going to get, where they're going to live, who they're supposed to marry, da, da, da. But God has not revealed those things. Those are hidden. What you would need to find out that is to believe in some crystal ball. That's what King Saul did when he went to the fortune teller. God condemns that. You don't need a divining rod. Trust God. Certainly, he's, he's wired you with certain gifts. He's given you particular abilities that will shape, that, that you will want to do what his will is for you. Just learn from him and let his word watch over and cleanse you. So I want to end where we started with Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul was praying. In fact, Paul said he never ceased to pray that the people in Colossae would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk, and here's why, and this is what the will is, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. God's will for you is that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. No matter what your occupation, no matter where you live, God's will for you is to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And if you do, it will bear these results. You will bear fruit in every good work. You will bear fruit in every good work. And you will be increasing in the knowledge of God. You won't be going backwards. You won't be steady state, but you'll be, you'll be growing in, in how well you know God and you know his ways. And then you'll be strengthened with all power. Now, you'll be, you'll be strengthened, and then he says all power, which is a pretty descriptive word when you attach it to power, all power. But then he, he's, he talks about the extent of the power. He says, according to his glorious might. Well, how much power is that? All power according to God's glorious might. And then he talks, he refers back to the strengthening when he says, for all endurance and patience with joy. If there's anything we've needed during COVID is endurance and patience and joy. You see, this is God's will that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. God knows that we need these things before we ask. And Paul prays this, that we might be strengthened. And then it's almost like the capstone here, giving thanks to the father. So many times you'll see giving thanks is part and parcel of any prescription in the scriptures. We give thanks to God. Giving thanks to the God giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You know, inheritance is, is a pretty neat thing. 
Maybe you've received an inheritance. Maybe you haven't. There's nothing you did to receive that inheritance other than to be born, to exist. And God has qualified us to receive in the inheritance of all the saints. You're qualified. You will receive an inheritance from God in Christ. So we give him thanks. Why should we not give him thanks? So do you want to be filled with the knowledge of God's will? Gateway Christian Fellowship, do you want to be filled with the knowledge of God's will? You can be. Search the scriptures. Gateway Christian Fellowship, do you want to, you want to find all spiritual wisdom and understanding? You can grow in this area. Put into practice what you have learned when you study the scriptures. Set your mind to put into practice what you have learned. Are you walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him? You know, God knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. It first begins with a desire, a hunger to walk with him. And the mere thought that you would have a desire and a hunger to walk for him is a sign to you that God is at work. So hunger for him. Are you bearing fruit in every good work? Well, if these other things are working, then yes, you are. You will be. You can be. Are you increasing in the knowledge of God? Are you being strengthened with all power to have endurance and patience accompanied with joy? You know, the staggering thought that God would call imperfect people to be transformed, to conform to his perfect will and make decisions and choices that would honor him. Such a, a blessing and an honor and a privilege to each one of us. So my prayer is that your desire for Christ, your trusting in him, would fuel your prayer and your devotion and your service and your worship. These things are for you because this is God's will for you. This is God's will for you. Pray with me if you would. And Jason, if you've got one more song, it'd be great. Lord Jesus, your scriptures, when we read them, and, and ask you to open our hearts to receive them. Become very clear. This is your will. That we live in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is your will, Lord. That we seek your kingdom and your righteousness. This is your will, Lord, that we pray for your will to be done. That we... Yield our will to your will. Lord God, would you establish your will among us and help us to grow? Lord, help us to grow in, in the knowledge of God. Help us to grow in wisdom and understanding. Help us to grow, Lord, in obedience. Help us to grow in strength and endurance and joy. Help us to grow in giving thanks, Lord. Help us to grow, Father, in all the ways that would prepare us 
for heaven. And Lord, we yield to you all of the who's, when's, and where's of your will. Help us, Lord, to yield these things to you. With that said, Lord, we ask you to guide us, to compel us, to impress upon us, to call us, Lord, and to make it known to us the direction we should go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In preparation for the message today, I I thought, well, I'll, I'll just look up the phrase, inquire of the Lord or inquire of God. And so I did in the scriptures and, um, you know, in the concordance. And uh, I think there's 30 times inquire of God or inquire of the Lord came up, all in the Old Testament, all of them. And then I looked up, well, sought the Lord. Somebody sought the Lord about another 30 times, all in the Old Testament. And I was saying, well, Lord, did something happen when the Holy Spirit came? And the New Testament was written that that no one in the New Testament inquired of God in the same way as in the Old Testament. You do tell us many times in the New Testament to seek the Lord. And so, Lord, I I just thank God that by giving us the completing the scriptures and by giving us the spirit, the way which we seek the direction and counsel of God is is. It's different. There's something different about it. I can't put my finger on it quite yet, but there's something different about it. How we're to live is certainly taking the, the first place of our of the will of God, how we are to live. And all of the what's and where's and when's, we are to trust to God. You think about Paul having a dream about come over to Macedonia and help us. I mean, God directed those steps and there's lots of very supernatural events in the New Testament. Uh, But I just pray that God would show us his will in terms of how we are to live and that we might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So with that said, Jason, I'm going to let you lead one more song here if you would. Thank you.